excited about our new members and um, just, just what God is up to in the lives of changing lives. That's something that he is going to be in the business of until Jesus returns. And um, that's the business that I think we should be into. And um, I think whatever business God is in, we should be in that. Uh, don't forget, uh, Covenant community members, you can, you can pick up your a certificate in our office area, the pastoral lounge. You can, you can pick them up there right after this morning's gathering. All right, without any further ado, why don't you stand on your feet for the reading of the Bible. Judges chapter 6 this morning. Judges chapter 6. Uh, this is going to be a part one and part two. Um, it's clear that I will not get through all of this today. And so I did that at the first gathering and at this gathering as well. We are going to have part one and part two of this. So uh, when you get there, say amen. amen. If you're not there, look at the screen. Judges chapter six. I'm going to start reading. You know how we do. I'm going to start reading. I'm going to pop out. But y'all will read down to the 18th verse and be done with it. God bless you. Let's get it. Now the angel of the Lord came. from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, uh -huh. The Lord is with you, I want to talk to you today and next week about breaking free from strongholds, breaking free from strongholds. Father, we thank you. We honor you and lift you up that you that we, we are in desperate need of you. Um, if, if, if we're honest about it, our lives need the living God. And so, God, I pray, God, that you would strike this place today, uh, sh strike places in our lives that we've been talking about for the last few weeks where we have hidden from you. Lord God, I, I, I pray in order for that to be done in a, in a crisp way, I got to be out of the way. And so I pray that you'd move me out of the way. And um, you throw your weight around in here uh, like you like to do. And Lord God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, our strength, our redeemer in whom we trust. In Jesus' mighty name. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. <clears throat> Uh, we're going to spend the next couple of weeks talking about strongholds, and, and so, uh, so I won't have to do this in the Biblical Womanhood series. Uh, we'll just do it now. So this is for everybody, all right? 
Uh, I know y'all been like, what have weeks been for everybody? Because y'all, some of this for the men, and you hitting me. But it ain't me, it's the Holy Ghost and the Bible. Amen. And so, and so but, 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 but what I want to do is I, I want us to really dive into this issue uh, of, of working through and dealing with the idea of strongholds. Uh, I, I, I'm going to deal with a lot of the more practical and functional ways to remove the stronghold next week and how God deals with it through Christ uh, next week. But, but, but what I want to do this week is I really want you to see how God is so loving in how he approaches us, but is very stern and clear in how he deals with us. And so as we look at that and as we think through that, I want to give you a working definition. And notice I said working definition of strongholds that I've extracted from 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. Check with me today because I'm going to teach a little bit more than normal today. But what I want you to do is I want you to take those verses. I want you to meditate on them this week because they're going to be key verses that is going to help you with what God wants us to do in relation to strongholds. Now, the word stronghold isn't mentioned in Judges 6 until the second part of the chapter where he actually deals with them, okay? So, so what's on top of the stronghold? So, what I want, I, I, so, so we're going to merge, if you will, the, the, the relationship between 2 Corinthians biblically and Judges chapter 6, verses 11, technically to, through verse 26 or the end of the chapter. It, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 and 5 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly or of the flesh, but are divinely powered or empowered for the destruction of strongholds. We destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive. Somebody say take captive. Take captive. To obedience to Jesus Christ. And so, and, so, and so what we see here is something interesting that leads us into our definition of strongholds, which you know I like long definitions, but they all have a reason. So I'm going to read it technically and slowly, and we'll talk about it, dive into this text, and you'll be, I'll be out your way. A stronghold is a mindset, value system, or thought process that hinders your growth and others. Let me say that again. A stronghold is a mindset, value system, or thought process that hinders your growth and the growth of others. And... You exalting Jesus above everything in your life and maximizing the fruitfulness that best aids in God's people bringing glory to the living God. That's what a stronghold is. See, most of us, when we think of strongholds, we think a stronghold is the sin that we commit. But when you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, the sin is not in the action, but it's the thought process that produces the sin. Okay, so, so, he, so, so, so in other words, a stronghold is a mindset or value system that you have developed in your life that's in opposition to God's way of thinking and God's way of doing things that you have set up in your life as a central epicenter, a cancer, if you will, a cancer that feeds on everything that's supposed to be healthy to build itself up to be a larger piece of the body of your soul so that Christ is not exalted and his word is rejected. 
And so we don't recognize, and we'll talk about this more next week, that strongholds really, sins that come out of strongholds, whether you talk about sexual promiscuity or you're talking about drunkenness or you're talking about pride or greed or unforgiveness, all of those are merely byproducts of value idolatry. Okay, and so he come here to Judges chapter 6 where it's no different. It's the same biblical principle where we saw in chapter 6 verse 1 that the Lord's hand was against his people because of their way of thinking. Remember, the Bible says that the reason why God in 17.6, Judges 17.6 says uh, during the time of Judges, men did what was right in their own eyes. Eyes there hebraically means way of thinking and value system that covers you and is your directive for your life. And so what happens now is now we're in a section where it's not just individuals. I want you to just think about this individually. You need to think about this holistically in relation to everyone because everybody got a stronghold. Let me, let me, let me, I don't care how cute you look. How you, you went to the haircut, got it cut, cut up real nice, the Philly razor on your head. You know what I'm saying? You got your weave, you got your braids, you got a weave. Everybody knows it looks nice, but you look good. You look, you look good, but you can still be in bondage looking as fine as you look. Wish I had some help right there. And see, and see what, what, what happens is, is now the people of God are in bondage as a nation, not just as individuals. And what has happened is, is they have replaced the glory of God for the glory of men. And so now they're walking and they're living in a place that's substandard to where God wants them to be. And see, and what's interesting is you'll see we'll only get through one point today, but, but, but when you begin living substandardly of where God wants you to be, you don't know that you're in a substandard place. Now, this brings me to my one and only point today as we talk about strongholds. If you're talking about breaking free of strongholds, number one, breaking free of strongholds starts with an encounter with God. A breaking free of strongholds starts with an encounter with God. Check out the text. He says in verse 11, he says, the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at uh, Ophrah. Not Oprah, but Ophrah. <laughs> which belonged to Joash the Abiezrite. Now check this out. Now I, I, I don't know, if I'm, I'm just telling y'all. This is, y'all got to see what the Bible be saying, man. The angel of the Lord just chilling up under a tree. Did you hear that? Now, he's just sitting there. I, I wonder what he's doing. We're going to see in a second. But he's kicking it up under a tree. Now, it says that the tree belonged to Joash, the Abiezrite. Now, him being an uh, 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 Abiezrite is he's one of, part of the smaller subclans within one of the tribes of Israel. Now, it says that it was Joash, the Abiezrite, Abiezrite's tree. Now, this is important because Joash's name means Yahweh is strong. That's weird to me. Because now you, you'll see later in the chapter that, when we get to next week, that he has strongholds set up in his house that are the center strongholds of the city, which are idols, to, uh, idols not the living God. Now, his name means Yahweh is strong, but he's proclaiming something else is strong. See, in other words, he has a good spiritual name because back then, listen, they named people based on what they wanted them to become. They didn't name somebody, I think this is a cute name, and we're gonna do, I'm going to name my baby, um, my baby, uh, I don't care what my baby father say, I'm going to name him this. You know what I'm saying? Y'all, y'all, don't, don't y'all look at me funny. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. Uh, 
Like women like cute names, you know what I'm saying? Dudes like, we want a name like a blubakif, you know what I'm saying? That's just us. You know, that, that got some meaning to it, you know what I'm saying? I don't know what it means, but it got meaning to it. But, but back in their days, they named people based on their divine wish for what they would be to the glory of God. Now, somebody knew something about Yahweh when they named Joash being Yahweh is strong. But it's interestingly enough, at the, the, somewhere along the line, somebody forgot something. Because you can, you can have the most Christian environment and Christian ease all around you, but be just as on lockdown as you could be. He had a spiritual name that meant Yahweh is strong, yet his life did not proclaim the strength of the Yahweh that his name was named after. In other, in other words, some of us can have a spiritual uh, aura about us, but not have spiritual activity taking root in our lives. So Joash... Joash is the pops, the head of household. We'll get to him next week. It says, while his son, now this is what the, holy, the, 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 uh, the angel of the Lord was sitting up under the tree, while Gideon was beating wheat in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. Now, 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 now don't, don't pass that by. That's weird. Okay, let me tell you why. Nobody, you know, well, yeah, I'm going to say that. Okay. You know, no, 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 nobody, when you, when you, when you, when you did, dealt with wheat, you would take it out to the threshing floor. And you would toss it up with your threshing device, and it would separate the wheat from the tares. The tares were to be burnt or used for fire. The wheat is what you actually use to harvest for different things that was needed. However, he was doing this in the wine press. Now, the wine press, unless you're making beer, wheat shouldn't be over there, right? Y'all, I missed somebody. So he's in the, wheat, he, he's in the wine press with wheat. Now, if you get wheat in your wine, it's not going to be right. So he's threshing it in a place that's used for something else. Why? Because at the top, you were supposed to stomp on the grapes on the top of the vat, and the juice would go down in the vat. Your feet got to be clean. Then it goes down, and all of, the, all of the juices that will be for fermentation later to turn into wine would be there. But what you see here is something interesting. You see functional dysfunction. Let me see if I can make it plain. See, 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 functional dysfunction is when dysfunction becomes normal. What is dysfunction? Stuff that ain't to be the way it's supposed to be. Oh, y'all looking at me funny. Let me make it plain. All right. Now, somebody's an alky, right? Alcoholic. You know, some people, they're weird. They're so much of an alcoholic that they're weird until they have a drink. Then they're actually normal, not drunk. You ever met somebody like that? I mean, that, that, that's called functioning in your dysfunction. If you ever met a functioning coke addict, they could go to work, they could write papers, they could kill it, but they need to snort in order to function normally, even though what they're using to act normally is dysfunctional. Let me see if I can make it plain, because y'all still looking at me funny. Um, I, me and my wife be watching that show, uh, Hoarders. Now I know you haven't seen that show. Lord help me. You go up in the people's house, they got clothes everywhere. I mean, mice jumping through clothes. I be like, got, 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 hallelujah, got dog, you know. Then they got cats everywhere urinating within the clothes. Bathroom is really bad. And they're in this house and they're cooking around cat feces and cat urine and all types of activity. Matter of fact, the neighbors who are detached 
who's about an acre away from them can smell the smell an acre away, but they're in the house with all of that mess and can't smell it. But when somebody comes over and starts trying to get the stuff out of there, they begin to have an emotional breakdown because they functioned in the midst of mess so long, they don't know they're in a mess. That's some of us in here today. Some of you are functionally dysfunctional, where your life is so messy that anybody coming into your life to deal with your mess is an interruption, not a help. See, strongholds, and when it's a mindset, it will make you not notice the mess that our lives are in. And Gideon is having to deal with it because he's in this and he's blind to the fact that he is operating dysfunctionally. But, but I, I, I like the way God works because God, is, God has a very great sense of humor. So what he does after, after, uh, after, after he, he's sitting there for a while, he does this. So he said, I don't know how long he's just watching. Uh, Gideon in his mess doing this. He's under the tree. He's just looking. Look at him. I have better for him. I, I mean, I can't believe I'm looking at one of mine that's made his life normal without me. Under the tree, he's looking. But guess what he says first? He says, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him. See, sometimes God can be there and you won't know it. And he said to him, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Now, hold on, y'all. Did y'all just see what happened? Hold on. The angel of the Lord just appeared out of nowhere and then starts talking to him. Hold on. Now, I, no introduction. Fear not, for I am from heaven and I'm coming to talk to you. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm expecting, like, you know, some, some you got to prepare me for showing up. But every now and then, God will not prepare you for how he wants to come in your life. Because he wants to create a divine interruption in your experience so that he can deal with where you are so you won't stay where you are. God loves divine interruptions. And so, and so he comes in, and what's funny is what he does. He, 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 he calls him not where he is, but beyond where he is. First off, he told him, I'm with you. Now, every now and then you need to hear that. Every now and then... When you're broke, busted, and disgusted, you need to recognize that the presence of the Lord is nigh thee. See, but then he didn't just say, I'm present. He also says to him something beautiful, mighty man of valor. Now, in order to understand what mighty man of valor, mighty man of valor, he's not a mighty man because he's running from a fight. Because he says he's hiding from the Midianites who in chapter one, chapter six, verses one through ten was coming upon the Israelites. So he wasn't, he was a lover, not a fighter. You know how Michael Jackson said, I'm a lover, not a fighter, you know. You know what I'm saying? That's how he was. But 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 what happens is, is before God deals with your stronghold, he affirms that he's with you. And he, tell, he calls you beyond where you are so that he can reformat your mind differently beyond where you are so that you can see life beyond your dysfunction. So he calls him a mighty man of valor. Now, mighty man of valor is, is an interesting word because it means an, a, a warrior, that an attacker. In other words, David's dude, David had three cats. Joab was the leader. He was the general. And Joab was just a gully type dude. You know what I'm saying? He was gully. He said, dude was hollering at David real quick. He said, Popeye, get him. 
I'll, I'll pull this joint out to sleep and slice shorty up right now, what it is. That's a mighty, a mighty man of violence, like always gun, like, like, you know what I'm saying? What's good? You know what I'm saying? He on the block like this. What's good, dog? You know what I'm saying? We can get it. What? We can get it now. You know what I'm saying? He like that. That's a mighty man of valor, right? He going to my head. But, but, but that ain't how he is. This dude gun shy. You know what I'm saying? He gun, he's not even looking for anything. But God calls him something that only God can create him into. See, that's good about being in a relationship with Christ is you don't have to worry about condemnation because God calls you from where you are to what he's going to make you into. Mighty man of valor. Matter of fact, valor is an interesting Hebrew word. It means elite soldier. Doesn't just mean just a fighter. It means you're, you're an elite. You're a special, you're part of my special ops team. It's like our ranger team or, or our navy. See, he, said, he said, you're not just in the service. You're, 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 you're one of the, you, I, this, is a, this is a mission. There's a mission that I have for you that only I can send you and a few people on. I'm not sending everybody on that, just you. But I want to call you beyond where you are. The same word is used of the woman in Proverbs 31, which means a woman of value. The same word is used of Boaz when he's called a man of great value and Ruth was called a woman of great value. The issue is, is many of us don't recognize that through Jesus Christ, God has ascribed value to us. But what happens is we have so functionally, dysfunctionally developed our minds in a value system that's left field of his way of thinking and his way of doing things that we can't hear the call of grace. And he's standing there calling him out of his dysfunction and saying, homie, I want you on a whole nother level. And this whole nother level is not just getting richer, but being used for my entire nation for my mission. That's what he's calling them to. See, whenever God calls you to something, he's not calling you for you. See, we got this individualistic blessing philosophy that only believes that blessing is for me and me and mine and what I'm going to get. But biblically, blessing was to be for the community and for the world. And so he calls him a mighty man of valor and calls him out of his circumstances because he wants him. He wants him to be what he can't be on his doggone own. But interestingly enough, and I know none of y'all have ever done this before, look at his response to it. This is how dysfunctional we can be. He says, he says basically, right here, he says, the Lord, uh, my, he, said, he says, Gideon said to him, please, sir. Now he didn't say, please, sir. He was saying, please. You know how I know he said it like that? Because look at what he says after that. He said, if the Lord is with us, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? Where's all that at? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. Now, he just said the Lord is with you. But his dysfunction is so bad that he says, see, many times we think God got us in the mess we're in. It, 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 many times it's us who have gotten ourselves into our mess, then blame God for what we got ourselves into, 
thinking he didn't provide a way out of the mess that we put ourselves into in the first place. It's never God's fault that you act trifling. It's never God's fault that you're a mess. It's never God's fault that you're in that gutter you're in. The reason that you're in the place that you're in is you made a conscious decision to not honor him, to not serve him, to not glorify him. How dare you honor, uh, 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 dishonor his holiness, his imperial majesty with your divine attitude of not wanting to be a part of what he wants to do. It's your fault. And you need to repent. It's your fault. Don't you dare blame God on your stronghold. Let's break down what he was saying. Number one, where is God? Where he been? Where you been? Where was you when my aunt got raped? Where was you when my homie got smashed? Where were you when this happened? Where were you when my mom got, where were you? That's what he's asking. Number two, he's saying, why are we suffering? Why are we suffering? Then he says, the next one is, what happened to all your great power? God, if you're so powerful, if you're so powerful, I mean, you can snap your finger. See, God likes to frustrate you. He likes to frustrate not allowing you. He he loves frustrating you so you won't be allowed to think that he's going to snap your fingers, his fingers, and cause things to change in your circumstances without putting you through some stuff so that you can change, not just your circumstances. God's power loves to change you in process, not just immediately. When you get saved, you're immediately changed, but you're functionally still a mess. So his power is with you through your mess so that you can be beyond your mess. But many of us want God to snap his. We we think he's a genie because we watch a couple of slick dudes on TV. We think he's a cosmic genie. And God come out of the thing and say, hey, what is your wish? What is your wish? But that's not how he works. See that's see see that's see that's what Midian wants. Midian, I mean, I mean, my, my man Gideon, Gideon, like God, I, I mean, if you're gonna do something, you're gonna have to you gonna have to go some genie type stuff on me. You know what I'm saying? I'm all up in here working all hard, and you and he's like, I mean, but God is so. What I love about him, he's so time enough for us. He's time enough for you. He's time enough for you. Not only that, he said, how is it that the Lord doesn't seem to care about us any longer? See, that's what the enemy wants you to believe. Enemy loves to strike at the root of you not, you'd believe. See, that's a, that's a value system. See, when the enemy makes you think that God doesn't care and he's not with you, he's got you. Because what happens is he can help you to fortify your strongholds more tightly. Did you hear that? See, because when you give up on the God of heaven being able to come in and do something about anything, then you take your idols and you build a stronger place for it in your life. And then what happens is, is even though it, you think you're freer, you're actually in greater bondage than you ever were before. I got to move. Because when, this, when functioning under dysfunction, it is difficult. It is very, very difficult to perceive God's promises and his encouragement. See, 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 see what happens is, is the enemy wants to utilize your dysfunction of the stronghold value system that you've created to deflect anything that will bring freedom to you. That's why you, you, you need God to just show up. You need him to show up unannounced in your life like he does in Gideon's life. 
And he showed up unannounced to turn his life upside down. And know how I know that? Because look at what he says after that. It says, in Gideon, it says, he, he asked all of those questions, and then something, something got revealed to us. In verse 14, it says, and the Lord turned to him and said. So now we know that this is not just a messenger of God, but it's Yahweh himself. Now, we can't see God and live because if he unveils his glory and his essence and his attributes to us, we will melt away immediately. But in, but in order for it to be the Lord and him show up like that, there has to be some way in which he's packaged himself in a way that won't destroy us. And, and that means that this is none other than the pre-incarnate Lord Jesus Christ that has showed up on the scene. Let me tell y'all something. Jesus been showing up before his virgin birth. I, I wish I had some help right there. He showed up in the Garden of Eden with Adam. He, he did that. He showed up at the Oaks of Mamre with Abraham. Uh, he showed up in a burning bush uh, with Moses. Uh, he showed up in a dream to David. He showed up in a dream to Daniel. Matter of fact, he showed up in a furnace with the three Hebrew boys. Matter of fact, Jesus Christ specializes in showing up. Uh, um, one time he showed up to Moses. Moses said, can I see your glory? And he said, nah, you can't see my glory, but I'll let you see my hind parts. And so what he said, he said, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to put you up in the cleft of the rock. I'm going to cover you with my hand. I'm going to pass by and let the afterglow of how fine I am just bright off on you. And so, so he holds his hand in the rock, and he walks past like this. And then after God turns the corner, he takes his hand off the rock. And Moses is like, yo! Yo! That's, 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 Jesus, that's Jesus Christ showing up. He specializes in showing up, and he specializes in making you know that it's him and him alone. Ignoring him, he tells them next, he said, go in your own strength. Or the strength that is yours. Now, that's, now, hold on, stop right there. Before we deal with that statement, he just spilled his guts to God. Like, God, where you been at? Where you been Went through all that, right? God says, all right, go in the strength is yours, and um, you're going to uh, free Midian, so I sent you. Now, what I love about God is he ignores our excuses. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Break it down. See, God, see, see what I like about Jesus? He always gets to the heart of the matter. He, he can't even be bothered with all that talk. He's like... You know, God got real thick skin. He's been talked about for years. <laughs> He's been talking about, God got real thick skin. He's not like, oh, they don't even save me, man. I can't. No, he was like, all right, um, what I told you to do is I need you to get your butt up. Ain't <laughs> nothing. Your, your butt need a swift kick in, in the chizzeeks. Plot out. You need to fill it for a long time so that your butt can get out there for the glory of God. See, that's the good thing about God is God ignores, ignores you, your little complaints that you're making. And really, your complaints is because you're used to how things are. And what God shows up to do is he shows up to take you out of how you're used to things are. And Jesus has been, he did it before he came, and he does it after he comes in his incarnation. In John chapter 1, verse 35, he comes across a group of misfits. Well, it's his first opportunity to chop it up with his disciples for the first time. And he starts getting at them and start, immediately he's dealing with showing up and then he immediately begins dealing with their issues. That's the first thing he starts doing. He said, I'm going to show up so you know it's me, but secondly, I'm going to deal with your issues. 
Now, this is what's crazy about this. And this is what blows my mind about God, especially with those 12 cats, right? He calls a religious, religious skeptics, businessmen, Hebrew fundamentalists, thief, thugs, a shady government worker, radical Jew, mama's boys, spoiled rich kids to serve him. He never, he, God specializes in picking imperfect people, making them perfect, putting them in a process of perfection, and using them despite themselves. I'm not worthy, he knows. Isaiah said, I'll last, I'm undone. You know, he saw Jesus high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple, and Shorty was rocked. But guess what God did? The very place where he had a stronghold, he burned it. The very spot in your life where you have a stronghold, God wants to burn it. He's going to deal with you. He's going to deal with, listen, I'm going to say this 10 more. Listen, he's going to deal with, he loves you that much. And because he Christ died on the cross, he, dem- he will not let you stay the same. Listen, let me tell you something. I, listen, you got to get this today. And you, you, you are not, you were not bought with a, the precious blood of Christ for you to remain nominal. He called you to persevere until he returns. You have been called. That's why you have to say, God, I am going to open up the door and I'm going, I don't know where to begin. I don't, some of y'all like, I'm, y'all are so y'all right now, I don't even know where to begin. He likes the fact that you don't know because he's the one that helps you to know where to begin. Well, well, let me go to this, this conference on this. Sometimes God's not going to use that. Let me get with it. Nah, sometimes God just want to come and he's going to come bullseye your butt. And he wants to come right to you and deal with your issues. And that's what I love it. But what's beautiful about him dealing with your issues is it ain't even about you, even though he's dealing with you. See, see, because God knows that his people have strong strongholds that amount to a stronghold. And what he wants to do is he wants to help us to deal with them at their root. See, many of you, see, some of you have gone to drug treatment. It ain't work. Some of y'all have gone to, 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 to alcohol, it ain't work. Some of y'all went through this, and it ain't work. Y'all know what I mean? Because what you have been dealing with is you have been dealing with a particular sin, not the mindset that facilitates the presence of the sin in your life. And that's why if you look at the text, God kept dealing with him on, I'm not talking about an intellectual, mere intellectual level. That's not what I'm talking about. It includes that. But what he's dealing with is he's saying, yo, man, you have, that's why Jesus' first sermon, I'm getting ahead of myself for next week, was metanoia for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Metanoia means repent. Repent means this. This is all repent means, to change your way of thinking and embrace mine. That's what repentance means. That's the center of what repentance means. And so that's why Gideon, during the rest of the text, he found he got a breakthrough in realizing that something was going on here. And he says, and he said to him, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? So now he's calling them Lord now, but he calls them Adonai. He says, behold, my clan is the weakest. Here you go with them excuses again. 
It's my clan. It's the weakest clan, God. And I am the least in my father's house, God. Then he says, and the Lord said to him, but I will be with you. And this is what he keeps telling them. He said, and then he tells him, he said, and you will strike, you shall strike the Midianites as like one person. And he says, and, 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 he, and he said to him, if now I have found favor in your eyes. So now he's got a breakthrough. See, everybody needs to be to a breaking point. Where now they begin. Look at how long it took for them to start listening to God. Some of our issue, our stronghold mainly, is not listening to God. Not hearing how he's true. See, some of y'all are so, some of us are so stubborn. Can't nobody tell. God has said, I'm breaking through all of the mire of all of that stuff. And I want you to listen to me. When my mother wanted to listen, when she wanted me to listen, she made me grab. This is what God is doing. He's grabbing chin and your cheeks all messed up. He's looking at you like, listen. He does smack. He loves that. He's a hazer. He smacks. He says, listen to me. Listen. I'm I'm saying this because it's God spiritually doing something. Listen. Stop ignoring him today. Make a decision that you're going to listen. Make the decision today that you're going to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Stop running your mouth and open your ears and heart. God has great and wonderful things for you, but it's not just for you. It's more than for you. Father, as we tackle and try to tackle this subject matter, which is always difficult for us, Lord God, to face our stuff. I don't care what stage of life we're in. We're always dealing with a need to have our mind changed and turned towards you. So, Lord, we're praying. Our prayer is that, God, you would, you would, you, you would, you would, you would help us this week to, to, I mean, just really deeply face the area of our life where we refuse to change but remain the same. And to be in the faith in Jesus Christ and to trust him by faith, it is that we can't remain the same. It's impossible to remain the same. Some of us have, some of us, it's a sense of that we've given up. Um, we've given up that you're ever going to really do anything about anything because you've allowed things to remain the same in our life. So we're like, look, he's not really, you're not really going to change anything. That's, that's, I mean, and then we develop over and over and over again this mindset that things are going to remain the same. And God, you don't really care. And you know what? Since I sense that you don't care, I back at you. I don't care either. So God, as you begin to shatter the nightmare in our life, open our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit to listen finally to listen and to perceive and to hear and to intake that's what we need Father and God someone's hearing it tears are rolling down their face right now and they're saying God I don't know where to begin God I don't know where To begin, he's saying, trust me. Trust me again.
Somebody, they said, but I'm afraid. He said, trust me. But God, but God I, I've, done, I've been on this Christian track, but trust me. Look, I, I've been trying. Oh, that's your problem. Trust me. God, but people in my life, trust me. That's his rebuttal for everything in our life, that you would put all of your confidence on Jesus Christ. That he paid it all for you. And that if you know he's paid it all for you and you've embraced that, that you're believing that he's going to, again, continue the work that he began until the until the day of Jesus Christ. He's faithful. He wants you to believe that he's good again. He wants you to believe that he's faithful again. He wants you to believe that he's true again. And you let a test turn into a stronghold. Even though God allowed the test to come on your life, Instead of passing the test, you pitched a tent in it. So today, God, just just try him again. If you're here today and you don't know Christ who died on the cross for your sins as Savior, in the pardon of your sin, that he died on the cross... And your sin, your, not your mistakes, your nature, your, and your mess was put on him. And when he died on the cross, you died with him. And instead of God giving you eternal separation, he allowed what Jesus Christ did in six hours to pay for what you would have taken an eternity in hell to do. And he rose him up on the third day to show vindication that God accepted his sacrifice for your sins. Both together are just as important. The death and the resurrection.